Well, it's great to be uh, preaching. It's a long time since I found out the So, welcome to everybody here who is physically here and those of you who watch this online either today or at another time. So, as you can see, today we are going to have communion and that's actually part of the preach. You're going you're gonna to enact the preach physically. I like, I like that. Uh, have a bit of action. Um, what I'm going to do is going to read a whole chapter from the Bible. It's Luke 24, and it's the story when Jesus uh, appeared after he had died and had been resurrected. And a few things happened there, and amongst other things, there was eating of bread involved, eating together. Because uh, those of us who have been Christians, uh, for a while, you know that Jesus says, I am the bread of the world. I am, and he even says about himself, I am the real food. I am the real bread. And unless you eat me, you have no life. Now, that's a strange thing to say. You're not talking about cannibals here. So, but there's a lot of picture language in the Bible and a lot of symbolic things. And so the bread symbolizes a lot of things. It symbolizes Jesus' body, and when we break it, we remember that he died on the cross. It also re uh, represents us as a body. Uh, it represents, obviously, food for people. So there's a lot of different things that the uh, red is a symbol for. And then, because we've been talking about the Word and the Spirit coming together for all this year. And so the Word of life is also the bread of life. So also the bread is a symbol for the Word as well. And the Spirit we've been talking about, uh, particularly in the sense of light, of being light, we've been talking about the verse in Psalm 119 where it says that the, the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So the spirit that leads us is symbolized as light. So we've got the word and the spirit together. And in this passage of Luke 24, it, it comes up in several versions, the word and the spirit. So I'm going to read the whole passage in the message version and what I want you to do is like when you're at school sometimes you have to do that listen out for when you think the word is mentioned and when the spirit is mentioned and it may be it may be says this is the word blah 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 or the spirit or it may be in other words so just try and listen out how many times you can hear the word being mentioned because obviously the word is also what we call the bible the written word so there's lots of different versions of what the word can symbolize. So as you listen to this, just try and count how many times the word is mentioned and how many times the spirit is mentioned. And then we'll have a show of hands and see who has listened. <laughs> so, at the, so this is Luke 24 from the Message Bible. At the crack of dawn on Sunday, the women came to the tomb, carrying the burial spices they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb, so they walked in. 
but once inside, they couldn't find the body of the Master Jesus. They were puzzled. I think they're probably afraid, wondering what to make of this. Then, out of nowhere, it seemed two men cascading light over them stood there. The women were awestruck and scared and bowed down. The men said, Why are you looking for the living one in the cemetery? He is not here, but raised up. Remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to sinners to be killed on a cross and in three days rise up. Then they remembered Jesus' words. They left the tomb and broke the news of all this to the eleven and the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them kept telling these things to the apostles. But the apostles didn't believe a word of it. They thought they were making it all up. But Peter, he jumped to his feet and ran to the tomb. He stooped to look in and saw a few grave clothes. That's all. He walked away puzzled, shaking his head. That same day, two of the disciples were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all the things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked alongside them. But they were not able to recognize who he was. He asked, what's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. Well, they did. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, Are you the only one in this whole of Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened during the last few days? He said, What has happened? He had no idea. <laughs> they said, The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death and crucified him. And we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women had said. But they didn't see Jesus. Then he said to them, oh dear, so thick-headed, so slow-hearted. Why can't you simply believe all that the prophet said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He acted as if he were going, but they pressed him 
Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them. And here is what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking the bread. He blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. At that very moment, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel as, as there was fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened the scriptures to us? Or in another version it says, was not our, were not our hearts burning within us? They didn't waste a minute. They were up and on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their friends gathered together, talking away. It's really happened. The master has been raised up. Simon saw him. Then the two went over everything that happened to them on the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. Why they were saying all these, Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. They thought they were seeing a ghost and were scared half to death. He continued with them. Don't be upset and don't let all these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is really me. Touch me. Look me over from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bone like this. As he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. They still couldn't believe what they were saying. It was too much. It seemed too good to be true. He asked, do you have any food here? They gave him a piece of leftover fish they had cooked. He took it and ate it right before their eyes. Then he said, everything I told you while I'm with you comes to this. All the things written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms have to be fulfilled. He went on to open their understanding of the word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles this way. He said, you can see now how it is written that the Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day, and then a total life change through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all the nations, starting from here, from Jerusalem. You are the first to hear and see it. You are the witnesses. And now listen, this is very important, what comes next. I will send, I am sending what my father has promised to you, so stay here in the city until he arrives until you're equipped with power from on high. He then led them out of the city over to Bethany. Raising his hands, he blessed them, and while blessing them, took his leave, being carried up to heaven. And they were on their knees, worshipping him. They returned to Jerusalem, bursting with joy. They spent all their time in the temple praising God. So... This is uh, the story of what happened on the road to Emmaus. And I felt I wanted to celebrate communion today because it, 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 it 
means so much. It means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to a lot of you. And it's something, because it represents the body of Christ, but also the body of us, it brings us together by sharing it with each other. And we will do that in a minute. And when we are sharing it, I want you to go and pray for each other. We'll ask each other first whether you want to share the communion and then pray for each other. So I just want to draw out uh, three things, as every preacher does. One, two, three. (laughs) So one of the things I wanted to just point... Oh, actually, sorry, I forgot to ask. So how many times did... Was the word mentioned? Does it right? Twice. Twice. Three times, so five, six. Six? Depends on what version. Someone said 20. 20. That's probably a bit overstating it. Uh, so, what have we got? What have we got? Once? Anybody? Twice? Hands up? Twice? Three times? I have sort of three times precisely sort of, yeah, talking about it, scriptures and things. But, I mean, it's not hard and fast. What about the spirit? How many times did the spirit get mentioned in various... Huh? Exactly, yeah, so it comes to five, Okay. I think I've got one, two, again, three specific instances. So I don't know. But, so, and I'm just going to point out a few of those. So the first one I want to go on about is when, when they were talking to each other, you know, they were on this road and they were obviously completely distraught because Jesus had just been killed. And as they said, he was our hope and now what, you know. And, but they obviously had a bit of a wrong understanding of what it was all about. And later on, when Jesus explained to him, he, he was really quite frustrated in a way, wasn't he? He said, you're so thick-headed, you know, so slow. So Jesus did get frustrated at, at times, you know, he was human. But uh, I just felt, I feel very much for those guys, you know. I think I feel like in their shoes, because we are all on a journey all the time, aren't we? And I personally have a lot of doubts and questions all the time. And uh, I don't find it easy often, you know. I, and when he said, why don't you just believe? Well, I find it difficult to believe sometimes because I can't prove it, you know. And is it really real? Is that really all true? So I have a lot of doubts during my life. And so I can identify with these guys. But what is really beautiful is that Jesus, he doesn't just come in and say, you stupid people, can't you believe me? He comes alongside and he says, he asks them, what are you talking about? I mean, he knows what they're talking about. <laughs> but he always asks questions, doesn't he? And I, it just came to me, he knows exactly what question to ask, doesn't he? He knows, even if somebody pretends, like those of you who remember the story of the woman at the well, she was talking about all sorts of things. But Jesus went straight to it and said, how many husbands do you have? And she said, what? (laughs) You know, he knows exactly what question to ask. He knows exactly where everybody is at. And there is this little saying, it says, he hits the spot. Is that right? And I looked it up in the dictionary and it says, be exactly what is required. And I think Jesus is exactly what is required. 
at every moment. He hits the spot every time, isn't it? If we can listen to him and actually hear him. And, and he knew exactly what to ask them. And he didn't just come in and tell them off, you know, for being unbelievers and not... Uh, why can't you believe? You've been told so many times. He just gauged it and let them along slowly. And then in the end, when he gave them the bread, they suddenly realized... and. So Jesus is the impersonation of the Holy Spirit and the Word, isn't he? And another word for the Holy Spirit is parakletos. Richard, where are you? That's his... Uh, uh, he has that name of, on his email, I think. Yeah. And parakletos means the one who walks beside. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's the one who walks beside us. And he comes in and says... What is that you're wondering? What are, what are you doubting about? What is your problem? You know, and sometimes we don't even know what our problem is. We just know something isn't right. But he, the Holy Spirit, knows exactly what the problem is. And he will come alongside us, which is so lovely, you know. He walks alongside us, with us on this road. And uh, I, I personally feel that's... Because, yeah, I... For me, things are not black and white, you know. Things are very... I'm not sure about a lot of things. The older I get, the less I know. You know, very few things are very clear to me these days. <laughs> when I was younger, I used to think I know things, but now I think I don't know anything. And I think it's because you suddenly get aware of how much more there is. And so it, that's when we need the Spirit, isn't it? And that's when Jesus is... The Spirit and the Word coming together, explaining all these things to these guys. So that was the first thing I wanted to mention. And the second thing is, you know when they said, you know when he was with us, wasn't our hearts on fire? Didn't we feel something? They didn't know what it was, but afterwards they realized our hearts was on fire. So something was happening. And so the Spirit is, uh, so we often see it as a light, but a light, in those days, they didn't have electricity. It was fire, wasn't it? It was fire that made the light. And it, was, it gave warmth. So it doesn't mean that we necessarily have to feel things, you know. We always say faith is not a feeling. But it does help if you have a feeling. It definitely does. If you actually feel the Holy Spirit coming on you. It does help. It does help if you feel something in your heart, doesn't it? I mean, that's not the end, being end all, but it does really help. And that's what these guys had. And they said, didn't, didn't we feel that? And that's what the spirit is. Again, it confirms something in our heart. It sets our hearts on fire. And, but the last thing I want to do now talk about is this whole thing about the bread and the eating. Because as we all know, in the Bible, there's a lot of eating going on. And I don't think that's an accident, you know. Nothing in the Bible is an accident. So why is eating so important? Why is bread so important, you know? What, what, what is it all about? And from when, when you see it in this story, so not only did when he broke the bread, they suddenly realized who he was. Something happened. But I think it also reminded them, obviously, when they had the breaking of bread before he died and all that sort of stuff. But then when they couldn't believe that he was a real person, you know, and they thought he was a ghost, he said, give, us, give me some fish. Now, why would eating fish 
proof that he's real. Why would that, why would that be a proof? Uh, a, and in the Bible, you know, there's various ways of looking, because he obviously didn't have the body that was before he died. He had a resurrection body, but it was still a body. But there's something different. It was the same, but different, because he could just appear and disappear. So that's not normal, is it? We can't do that, unless you are... Well, yeah, some people may be able to do that. I can't. But Jesus could. And also, it says in the Bible that we don't need to eat anymore, you know, when we are in heaven. So we don't really need food. But he still, for me, uh, and I was sort of reading up different people's views, because when I take communion, which I do regularly, it just helps me to connect the spirit with the physical, the, the body with the spirit. Somehow, when I eat the bread, I always think when you eat it, it goes into your body and you can't distinguish it anymore from your body. It becomes part of you. And you drink the wine, it becomes part of you. And you know, the Lord says we should be full of the spirit. And somehow, eating something seems to symbolize that better than anything else for me. And because I think... Maybe you find it easy to live in both worlds, in the spiritual world and in, in the real world, in the, in the physical world. Anybody finds that easy? Yeah? You do. Yeah, Kelly does. But most of us don't because we are part of both, aren't we? But it's quite difficult to sometimes work out what exactly does that mean, you know, to live. Because it's heaven and... Heaven doesn't only start when we die. Heaven has already started. We are already part of heaven. And we should be going in and out of heaven all the time, you know. Go in there a little bit and get a bit of heaven and then bring it back to this world. But the other thing that uh, was addressed by Paul, particularly when he was talking about taking the bread, is people used to think that the spirit is the important thing and the body is something evil, something bad. And even now people sometimes look at it like that. It's not true. God created a physical world. He made a physical world. And it was good. Body is a good thing. Jesus had a body, you know. So having a body, eating, experiencing the body is a good thing. It's part. And we will have a body when we are in heaven. It's a good thing. So all these things are represented uh, in taking the bread and the wine to me. It connects the body with the spirit and for me. It helps me to make it real. The, the, a lot of spiritual truth by taking this. And I don't know how, because I don't understand half of the stuff anyway. Well, most of the stuff I don't understand. But I just pray because it's above our understanding, isn't it? And my problem is that I do want to understand, you see. <laughs> But then I think I've finally come to the place where I think, okay, Lord, I cannot. And it's supernatural, you know. It's above our understanding. And I just pray that the Lord will reveal it to me supernaturally. And that's what I'm going to pray now as we take the bread and the wine, that we will have an encounter with the Lord like these two guys had, you know, when the Lord broke the bread, suddenly they saw him and then he disappeared. But the Lord quite often does that. He withdraws from us because he wants us to draw closer to him. And as we 
as he comes and reveals himself, sometimes he withdraws again so that we are more hungry for him. It's like he woos us like a lover. You know, he is a lover. We are the bride and he woos us so that we are more hungry for him and want him more. So I'm going to pray now. And then what I want you to do is on your own or however you want to do it, I would like you to take the bread and the wine and maybe share it with someone if if that's okay with them. Pray for each other and just pray that you will have a revelation of God so that the Spirit can reveal it to you. The Spirit can reveal the living Word to you, you know, because it's in Jesus that the Word and the Spirit comes together ultimately. And as we meet Him, we will have revelation. We will have the light. We will have all the things we need. So, Lord, we thank you for this bread. And it's a symbol that you've given us, and I thank you for it. And I don't know how it works, but somehow it does help us to have more revelation about you. As we eat it, and it becomes part of us, it reveals something about you and something of what you have taught us. So, Lord, will you do that for us as we eat the bread, Lord? And as we drink the wine, or the grape juice, as it may be, uh, will that, that again becomes completely part of us. We can't distinguish it from our body anymore. And that's what we want, your spirit to become completely part of us, that we can't distinguish between your spirit and our spirit anymore, that we become one like you prayed that we should be, become one with you as you are with the Father. So, Lord, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, please come and help yourself. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week and God bless.